Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Have we started? I just started. That would be so awesome. That would be awesome. Can you do that again? Did you really? No, I mean, I started late. What? Nathan was just doing an amazing beatbox voice. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I missed it, though. You stopped. Are we starting? Should I start over? <clears throat> We're just gonna start from right here. Okay, can you stop that, sir? That's that's your tongue is a fire. My tongue is a fire. <laughs> hey, welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is Joe and Nathan again. Sorry you had to put up for us with us for another week. That's here. right. But yeah, Nathan, uh, I didn't know you had such versatile. Yep. Vocal cords. That'll be enough. I don't wanna. <laughs> I don't wanna excite our listener land. Try to get me out of seminary to go into my beatboxing career, but. I gave that life up a long time ago. Dude, you should tell him that story about you singing uh, Kanye in that in that bar this Oh, summer. yeah. So um, in Applebee's in Forsyth, Illinois, uh, I put my karaoke skills to the test, singing Neil Young first, which, uh, you know, was kind of a flop because Neil Young's not, not exactly that good. Then I sang Looking Glass, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl, mm. uh, which definitely delighted the 40 and older crowd uh, <laughs> there. <laughs> the uh, single ladies eating their appetizer. Um, and then finally, I, I debated and debated and debated, and then I just went for it. I sang Kanye West, Heartless, and um, yeah, they chanted my name. There were there were people far more talented there, and um, I rocked it. I really missed that I wasn't there. Yeah, the video might be on YouTube. You're a one-of-a-kind seminarian. Just let me say that. Yep, as long as my formators don't see those videos or listen to these podcasts. All <laughs> Which right. we know that they don't. Yes, thank, thankfully for us. So uh, our topic today, oh, you know what? I write some stuff down and I keep forgetting to pull it out. So did you know, I want to read you something. Uh, we are going to talk today about the favorite prayer of John Paul II, according to himself. That's what he said. Did you know that? The... His favorite prayer. I already told you what we're talking about. You're just basing. Saint Francis. What? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. So today we're going to talk about the rosary. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, this is where I act dumb, and then you come in and be like, "No, it's actually this." <laughs> That's right, folks. Uh, yes, the greatest <laughs> Marian prayer. John Paul II called yes. this his favorite prayer, which I think is pretty, pretty cool thing. He was a Marian, very Marian uh, pope, I guess if you could say that. Totus to us. But I want to read you. This is his. Small, short explanation of his experience of praying the rosary mm-hmm. and meditating on the mysteries of Christ. So, Roger. This is what he says. It's awesome. So, he says, Against the background of the words, Ave Maria, there passes before the eyes of the soul the main episodes of the life of Jesus Christ, and they put us in living communication with Jesus through, we could say, his mother's heart. Isn't that beautiful? Hmm. So, you're meditating on the Christ against the backdrop of the Ave Maria, the Hail Mary. And he says, at the same time, our heart can enclose in these decades of the rosary all the facets that make up the life of the individual, the family, the nation, the church, and all mankind, particularly of those who are dear to us. Thus, the simple prayer of the rosary beats the rhythm of human life. Hmm. That's beautiful stuff. I love that. So, But I just love that image of, against the backdrop of Our Lady and the Ave Maria, we just meditate. We have passed before our eyes the... Mysteries of Christ's life. Yeah. With Our Lady. So, the rosary. This is, I wanted to do um, 
a podcast on this, uh, particularly the origins of the rosary. And this is actually, I think this has been the most requested topic from the emails we've received. So, I mean, I if you've requested this, I'm not going to list them all off because there's there's like a, a bunch of y'all, but... Uh, finally, we are we're doing this. We haven't we haven't done any, I think, on Our Lady explicitly, just on on Mama Mary. But this is the first one, so kind of a cool podcast. Um, so the Rosary, it's something that is all over the place. It's as far as Catholic, it's like the Catholic symbol. You know, you have your Rosary, right. you got a crucifix, um, and it's funny because everybody knows what a Rosary is who's Catholic, but most people don't really know why we do it or where it comes from. Right. Somehow Mary walked around with a rosary and then passed it on to the apostles. And that, then... That's right. You know, Jesus, right before he ascended, you know, he gave them the crucifix and he gave them the rosary <laughs> and then, you know, the New Testament and said, right. see you later. Right. This is all you need. Uh, that's probably maybe what some people think, but no. Uh, the rosary, the origin of it is actually pretty interesting. So uh, real quick, what is the rosary? We'll just talk about it because I know we have some listeners who are not Catholic. Sure. Or who are not even Christian, uh, but they've heard the word rosary they don't may not know what it is so in short uh the rosary is just a series of prayers that you say uh hail mary's our father's glory bees essentially is the word it you you use a uh bead um a little band of beads uh with and overall you say 50 hail mary's these are one prayer and it's a combination of vocal prayer so you're saying the words out loud and meditation Mm -hmm. so as you speak you're meditating on something else right so it's it's very incarnational if you will there's a you're using your body and your soul your soul's meditating yeah your body is speaking your body's you're fingering the beads you know it's it's very it's kind of a gritty uh as far as prayer goes you're doing something so i mean there's a there's a real incarnational element at work there um but uh it's kind of a mantra uh, i mean in in many other traditions you have these mantras these these sayings that you would say over and over um but in this one, the, the, the mantra, the, the prayer, the words are directed both to uh, Mary, to Jesus, uh, to the Father. Uh, so you're incorporating the whole, uh, all, the, all the persons of faith, even, even your loved ones. I mean, there, there's a communication with, with those who have died. I mean, you talk about pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our deaths, and then you start thinking about all the people who have gone before you. And mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's a... Uh... And while you while you say these prayers, you're meditating on. There's a whole. There's four different sets of mysteries on the life of Christ, involving his in his childhood and infancy, his life, his gospel message, mm-hmm. uh, and then the death and resurrection sure. thereafter. So um, that's basically that's a basic rundown, a very simple rundown yeah. of what the rosary looks like. So where did it come from? Um, most people trace the origins of the, the fundamental parts of the rosary to Saint Dominic. St. Dominic started the Dominicans. He was a contemporary of St. Francis of Assisi, and he was in the 1200s. And the story is, uh, and it's pretty reliable, I mean, mo- most people don't um, refute this in any way, yeah. that Our Lady appeared to Dominic, and she gave him um, a, what she said was, she was going to give him a method of prayer and preaching, which would be a strong and powerful weapon. She even used the word weapon a strong weapon against uh, future difficulties and to preserve the church from error. So it's a powerful thing. Right from the get-go, there was a sense that these, and, and she combined, it's pr- not just prayer, it's prayer and preaching, which I found interesting. Hmm. Um, that would be a we- great spiritual weapon in, for the church in the future. And this is around the 1200s. So this is long after Christ, but it's also a long time ago. Um, and so what Dominic ended up doing uh, with this method, whatever she gave him, what we know that he did is that he went out 
And during the time, uh, there was a great heresy, the Albigensian heresy. Dominic started the Dominicans, his order, to combat this heresy. So he'd go into one of these heretical towns, and he would preach on a certain mystery of the life of Christ. So say he's preaching on the crowning of thorns or something, mm-hmm. one of the mysteries of the sorrowful, the sorrowful mysteries. So he would give a homily or a sermon on this mystery, and then after he's finished, he'd stop, and he would lead everybody in prayer. And how they would pray, they would pray 10 Hail Marys. And then he'd give another sermon on the carrying, Jesus carrying the cross. And after he was done the sermon, they would stop and they would pray 10 Hail Marys, yeah. thinking about meditating on what he had just said. So you can already see, I mean, when we pray the rosary, we say 10 Hail Marys, meditating on a mystery. But from the beginning, it was this element of preaching that was like right, that the meditation flowed from a receiving of preaching. So really cool thing. I mean, we don't, see, I don't see that ever happen, but it's cool to know that that's a real element of it. Um, hmm. But... It developed over time. This wasn't something that, I mean, there's pieces of, there's all these parts of the rosary. Uh, we know that's what Dominic did, but we don't know how that changed after him. So um, there's actually a tradition going back to the apostolic church, first century in the church in Jerusalem. This is wild. Um, that the elements of the, what makes up the mysteries. So we have the joyful mysteries, mm-hmm. which are, you know, Jesus' early life. The luminous mysteries now, but this isn't apply for here, but uh, the sorrowful mysteries, which is Jesus' passion and death, and the glorious mysteries, Jesus' resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost, and Mary and things. Um, Those three sets, there was something very similar to that in the church in Jerusalem, where on each, um, around Bethlehem, around the Holy Sepulcher, and on the Mount of the Ascension, where Jesus ascended heaven, there were these Marian um, cycles of meditation that they would go through that were very similar to all three. So that was kind of cool. So there's, hmm. there's kind of, there's a sense that there's Marian, these sets of me- meditating on the mysteries of Christ through the lens of Mary in yeah. the very early church. So, I mean, we don't know how much that influenced what became the rosary, but we can already see there's something, there's some foundational elements at work, even in the first century. Yeah. And the, the, the cool thing about that is that, uh, most people in the 12th century weren't able to make a pilgrimage or, you know, get on the tour bus and go to the Holy Land in order to make perhaps the same spiritual or physical pilgrimage to those sites. But in in the rosary, that, that, that becomes a vehicle through which they kind of are transported there with Mary, with Jesus, and they can kind of get in their little time machine. No, it's true. I mean, that's that's how we... That's how we tap into these things. I mean, even go to the Holy Land is an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. But when you're there, you're praying the same things that you pray when, you know, I went to the Holy Land this summer. It was an amazing pilgrimage. Uh, but when I was there, I was praying rosaries and I was going to Mass. Right. I was doing a lot of the same prayers that I do um, when I'm not at the Holy Land, which is most of my life. So, um, right. yeah, so one of the uh, one of the other things that developed that became an element here was that during the, between the 13th and 16th centuries, 1200s and on, there was a ton of development. And we don't see the rosary in its form that we have it now until... I think like it's like the 1500s. Um, but one of the elements that added to this, so there is how a lot of the towns worked were set up in Europe was that you'd have a monastery, which would kind of be the cultural center. So mm-hmm. at this monastery, you have monks who are working out in the fields and who are, um, who are uh, studying and praying, and there would be communities that would set up around the monastery. Mm-hmm. And part of the m- life of the monk back in the day was that they would pray all 150 psalms in the Whoa. Bible. Can you imagine that? We pray in the seminary. We pray all 150 psalms once there, or every four weeks. But they would do this every single day. So it's like they must have been praying all the time, Ugh. all the time. Um, 
Sounds so, awesome. Doesn't that sound delightful? Yeah. This is this is this is the life of the monk in the uh, medieval period. Yeah. But how how it would work is that in the monastery they'd big bell and they'd ring the bell and all the monks would come to do their psalms multiple times throughout sure. the day. Um, but the lay people who also wanted to pray, who didn't have the time because they were working and having their normal life, uh, couldn't pray all 150 psalms with the monks. Sure. So they came up with a way to pray, um, to pray a prayer with the monks as they were saying the psalms. So whenever they were, they, they were hearing the bell ring, uh, the people began to recite a Hail Mary for every psalm. So as the monks were doing 150 psalms throughout the day, throughout the day, uh, the lay people in the area would do 150 Hail Marys. Wow. Which is interesting because there's 150 Hail Marys in the traditional rosary. Uh, so that's, and they would have these beads to pray them on. So there's something there, but it wasn't, so there's was a connection with the Psalms. And in fact, they called the, the 150 Hail Marys, which was just called the Marian Psalter or the Psalter of Mary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you heard about this before? Yeah, the like the little, the little Psalter of Mary. I've mm-hmm. heard of that. And they would, and over time they developed little phrases or, or mysteries or a sentence here or there to meditate for each Hail Mary, or maybe for sets of Hail Marys. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could see these things kind of gradually developing. Um, saint Alan, I don't even know if he was a saint, Alan de la Roche. Have you heard of this guy before? Nope. Me neither, until I look this up. He was the first person, earliest date that we know of, that has like the full contact, you know, um, contact, compact rosary as we know it right now. In 1475, Alan de la Roche, he wrote something, and he refers to the rosary and describes it, and that's pretty much what we have now. So we don't know exactly when it took its final form, but we do know that it happened, and it developed. It started, something started with St. Dominic. Um, he received the the form of the, the prayer of the Hail Mary and started connecting this to meditating on the mysteries of Christ. And, you know, over time, three or four hundred years, we have the rosary. Interesting tidbit, though. Uh, in 1569... St. Pius V. I don't know if you know St. Pius V. Mm, should I? Uh, there's something cool that he did. Pope. But one thing he did, he was a pope. In 1569, he like officially made the rosary, officially approved it in a, in a document from yeah, the yeah. Apostolic Constitution. The rosary is, this is what it is. It's a great prayer. Let's, let's promote it. Two years later, famous battle of Lepanto. Oh. This is St. Pius V. Here we go. And Lepanto, which is totally an awesome story. We should do a podcast on that, and we've had some requests for that, too. Agreed. Agreed. But uh, what was happening, there was a Muslim invasion sure. in Europe. It was threatening the whole infrastructure of Europe, and there were the Christians were far outnumbered. Um, so St. Pius V had just made this an official prayer of the church, the rosary, and he just says, everybody needs to start praying the rosary. Everyone needs to pray the rosary like crazy. For you know, for the safety sure. for, for this battle, and kind of a miraculous outcome of this battle, Christians end up winning, and they attribute the victory to or the yeah the victory to Our Lady uh, to Mary, Our Lady of Victory. Yeah, which is what Notre Dame I think says after before yeah. every game. Is that true? Uh, I should know that, but um, I just watched it on NBC, and surprisingly, they don't show them saying any of that. So <laughs> interesting. So, but yeah. yeah, it's a powerful weapon, just like you were saying at the beginning. It's true, man. So, it's, huh. yeah, I mean, it's just funny because we say the rosary all the time, but it's good to know. I, I learned some stuff just reading about it a little bit today, uh, just about where it comes from. And it's funny, people pray the rosary in all sorts of different ways. Like, I don't know if you, some places you'll go, they like add all these prayers on the end of them. Oh, yeah. And sometimes they don't add the prayers. Right. Um, but the basic thing is, uh, you know, just five decades. Um, that's the official by the church, Pius V said, Five decades, Our Father, Ten Hail Marys, Glory Be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, you have people adding the beginning part, the Our Father, Three Hail Marys, and Glory Be. 
Uh, but it's interesting, even nowadays, in a lot of countries that were, you know, in America and a lot of places in Europe, you have, you start the rosary saying the Apostles' Creed, Our Father, Hail Mary. Yeah. Um, but in a lot of Spanish-speaking countries, they don't do that. They do, they just start right away with the rosary. And then at the end, they might do some of those prayers, the, the Apostles' Creed and stuff like that. So there's no like real, it's not like the liturgy of the church where there's, there's a specific way to do it, to be, to keep in, in law, in church law, that you should, the liturgy should be preserved and celebrated. Mm-hmm. This is not something like that. There's a lot of freedom in this. And even John Paul II, I mean, this is kind of a big deal. I forget what year is, maybe 2001. Um, where he introduced a whole new set of mysteries. The rosary didn't change oh, yeah. that much, but he introduced a whole new set of mysteries to the rosary, um, the luminous mysteries, which some people didn't like as much. I mean, it's funny because there's all these religious orders. I think the Dominicans, um, I, I'm sure there's others. Maybe Carmelites, the I think. The Carmelites, they wear the rosary. Yeah. The Dominicans, in their habit, you know, they wear the rosary with yeah. 150 beads, the whole rosary. But then you got a whole other 50 beads in there. That's right. I don't think they're changing their habits, so kind of throws things off kilter a little bit, but great stuff. And he even says in the document, he says, this is, you know, this is not a requirement, but this is for personal, spiritual, you know, it could be very fruitful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the faithful might find it fruitful to meditate yeah. on the mysteries of Christ. And the luminous mysteries are just, you know, there's kind of this big jump in the traditional rosary from Jesus being found in the temple when he's 12 years old or so to right. Jesus, you know, and the passion. So there's a lot, there's a lot in the gospel between those two things, so... Um, but yeah, and then you have uh, yeah. the Fatima prayer is another big thing. Hmm. The um, 1917, Mary appeared in Fatima, Portugal, and she one of the things she told the children who she appeared to was she taught them a prayer, and she says, "I want." And she appeared as Our Lady of the Rosary, and that was what she called herself. And she told them, taught them this prayer, and told them to pray to everyone. And this is like something now everybody yeah. I've ever been, and pretty much everyone in the world has taken this prayer uh, that you say at the end of each decade. Um, oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins. That's the prayer. No, yeah. I mean, there's there's more to it, but um, but yeah. So there's it, it changes it morphs over time, but yeah, it's kind of a cool thing. It's very it's very incarnational in the sense of how you pray it, like I mentioned, but it's also in the sense of like it's it just kind of changes with culture and with time, yeah. and you can you can add things. I mean, sometimes if you're you know in the car and you have a ten minute ride and it's going to take you fifteen twenty minutes to say a rosary, I know sometimes in the past I've been like, well, you know. That's a good excuse not to say when I don't have enough time to say a whole right. lot, you I know. But yeah. there's no rules though. I mean, you could say a decade here or there. You can, you can add other mysteries that aren't even part of the rosary. I mean, there's I mean, there's a lot of freedom in this. This is all private prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, the church gives us mysteries to meditate on, of course. But yeah. So anyway, we talked about this in one of our classes, if you remember. The definition of a sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. The definition of a sacramental which is what the rosary is, is an outward sign instituted by the church ah, yeah. in order to give grace. So, I mean, the church has kind of dexterity when she wants to uh, increase or lessen. You know, I mean, if the, if the only way you can say a rosary is it takes 55 minutes, I mean, that means that you're, you're praying it very reverently, very devoutly. But for somebody else, that might just be, you know, too much. Somebody else, you know, the the old lady at your parish that prays the entire rosary in seven minutes. I mean, that's the way she does it, and you know, if that's the way you like it. Well, it's it's it's, it's do private what you can. prayer, you know, it's private prayer. Yeah, I I actually have a crazy story about the rosary. The uh, I was coming home from Warrensburg, Illinois. If if anybody's out there from listener land, uh, Warrensburg. Um, and I was driving home from there, which is like totally out of the middle. It's a country town. I'm from Mount Zion, so you know out of the middle of nowhere 
And I decided to say a rosary on the way home. So I, it's like, you know, probably 1130 at night. I'm praying the rosary. Um, I'm on uh, the road that leads back to my house, which is uh, a two-lane highway, going 55 miles an hour, wintertime. I'm praying the rosary, get done with the entire rosary. I'm saying the devotional prayers at the end, finishing with the memorare. And uh, I'm in the like the very last part of it, like probably like two sent two sentences to the end, and all of a sudden I black out. I open my eyes and I'm heading straight for a bridge, like I'm heading straight for a like the the edge of a bridge where I would just go go in, like it, it's not like torrents of water or something like that, but we do have this small bridge that goes over this this drainage in between these uh, cornfields. Wake up just in time. I swerve. Uh, thanks be to God and Mary that there's <laughs> nobody coming in the other lane. I swerve back and uh, finish my prayer. And like my heart is racing at this point. So uh, a word to the wise. Uh, <laughs> if you're if you are sleepy uh, and you do want to meditate, perhaps save the rosary for your easy chair um but at the same time mary did save my life that's so. true i was gonna say i'm like so you're brave to pray the rosary at 11 30 at night driving i've whenever that happens i'm like oh i haven't prayed a rosary today and it's i'm really tired and i'm driving home i'm always just like mary i yep. can't pray i mean i'll yep. you know i'll talk to you but if i pray the rosary right now i'm yep. gonna be out yeah your mom and i'm gonna end up in a river <laughs> yeah your mom knows you so uh you know uh yeah that's right rest well just don't rest while you're driving. <laughs> so yeah, praise be to God. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. Pray for Notre Dame, the whole school, uh, and uh, and every Catholic school for that matter. And every Catholic school for that matter, but yeah. especially for them. But it's a great prayer. Uh, yeah. Learn a lot by doing it. And um, yeah, it's funny. The Rosary is something that can be misunderstood in so many ways. Like it's almost like a mechanical thing, or you just gotta like say as many prayers mm-hmm. as you can. Make make sure you pound through it. Um, it can, to non-Catholics, or even to some Catholics, it can kind of seem like it's like some sort of ritual ri- ritual that's devoid of meaning. It's just like you're just doing these things. Right. Or it's like magic or something. You know, you say your prayers and you can check it off the list. Um, and I've had to really fight that in my, my own spiritual life. Um, and I found that it's, it, I find even sometimes it's most fruitful. If Even if I have 20 minutes to say a rosary, I'll just do one decade and just really take my time and really yeah. enter into the... Because the, the important thing is just praying. I mean, yeah. it's a way to... Like John Paul talked about, with the backdrop of the Hail Mary that you're repeating um, with this mantra, you you watch the life of Christ go before your eyes of your soul, and mm-hmm. and with through the lens of Mary, with her by your side, uh, meditate upon the life of Christ. It's a beautiful it's a beautiful way to pray, and it's actually really cool. It's just a sidebar. Um, it's actually very similar to praying how I imagine Mary praying herself. Because it says in the Gospels, you know, it would talk about, especially mm-hmm. in the early life of Christ, Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Right. You know, whenever there was a mystery uh, that happened, uh, Luke uses that terminology that she pondered these things in her heart. And I just imagine Mary praying the rosary with us, you know, meditating upon the life of Christ as she did when she was Christ's mother, looking, meditating, contemplating, pondering these things in her heart about her son, uh, which she does with us when we pray the rosary with her. It's a beautiful, I just love it. It's a very intimate prayer. So if you don't pray the rosary, figure out how to do it. There's all sorts of ways to learn. Right. Google it um, if you're not Catholic and interested. I know a lot of non-Catholics. Whenever I like go talk at a jail or something, there's a lot of non-Catholics that would come, and they, they everybody wants a rosary. I mean, they just they, they, there's something there's something very natural that you want something in your hands that you can pray with, uh, and I think people are drawn to that. So, 
Good stuff, man. Well, yeah. hey, don't be embarrassed either. I think I learned how to pray the rosary uh, when I was like 19 or 20 years old. So uh, you might have a general idea, but if you don't know the entire process, you know, you can go, you can find it online, do it in the privacy of your own home in your easy chair or with caution in your car. That's right. Not 1130 at night for the first time. Agreed. Okay. So here's an email I got. Just received this this past week. Hmm. Uh, this is for um, from a devoted fan. It says, uh, "Dear Father John and Joe," so he's not addressing you. He's just addressing Father John and myself. So sorry. You can you can check out. What a shame. I was just listening to some of your podcasts. They are great! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! My wife and I loved the one on English pubs. Very good. Hmm. But I didn't. I did notice a certain lack of discussion of French personalism and of or distributist economics. Sincerely, a devoted fan. What a shame. That is. Who could this mystery person be? That's right. This is actually one of our professors at the seminary, which I thought was delightful. So I, I uh, emailed him back and I said, "Dearest devoted fan, French personalism is for sissies." Hmm. Love Joe. Which is slander. Uh, I, I think it's just a general statement. I don't, I don't know. Actually, it's not true. No, but he's, it's funny. This is what he says back. So he says, Dear Joe, I think the problem is that you and Father John squandered your opportunity to study French personalism. Fortunately, I understand that Nathan Mounier Gobel has right. studied it with the master. Maybe he can help you out. That's Devoted right. Fan. So I love that. Dr. Terrence Wright. Dr. Terrence Wright, the only guy in our seminary with better hair than me. That actually is almost true. Yeah, he looks like a 1980s rocker. Well, 70s. Probably 60s. Loves that distributist. Oh, that's another podcast. We should do one on We are going to do We are. Yeah. Are we? Oh, yeah. That would be sweet. Yeah, he's, he's, they're great. The Wrights, Dr. Uh, Terry Wright, Dr. Selner Wright. Uh, now that we aren't in philosophy anymore, we love you. Uh, and uh, I hope Ben know. had a great time at homecoming with his corsage. Yep. That could have really embarrassed him. But. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wonder. But no, uh, distributism is a great topic that we should do a podcast on. Promise. Social teaching of the church, yeah. kind of. Uh, principles applied. Sure. Come on, make up this theory, but it's pretty sweet. But So stay tuned. Little teaser. Shoot us an email, catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com, or you can check us out on Facebook. We love hearing from, from anybody who listens. So thoughts, comments, insults, suggestions, whatever you want to hear. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. Amen. Cheer, cheer for old Notre Dame. Look up the echoes. Here.